Welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. So uh, welcome to another episode of Inspiring Futures. Um, I'm delighted that Nicholas Nordstrom of Acne in Stockholm is my guest today. Um, as usual, I want to give a shout out to Alexander Ray over at Orcs, who is doing my sound for me, uh, making sure that we get a recording, which sometimes in the past wasn't always happening. Um, so now I have a kind of idiot proof, uh, backup, which, uh, is important. So Nicholas, you're in Stockholm, right? It's correct. In the center of the city or on the outside? outside? Uh, I'm a little bit outside. I w- you could say like, uh, 10 kilometers outside uh, the city center, but you know, Stockholm isn't that big. So, so when you, um, when you are able to go into the office, how do you usually get to the office? Uh, I usually actually go with car. It takes around 15, 20 minutes. Okay, cool. So um, why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about your background, just, you know, kind of like an a accelerated view of your resume, how you got to where you got to today. Yeah, I will give you a quick uh, run through. I actually started out in brand strategy consultancy just at the dot-com crash 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's a little, a little bit of a way, it's you know, the same kind of feeling as now, like where, where will we go from here? Yeah. But, uh, was, that so, a big, was that a big consulting company or, or a, a more of a boutique? It was, uh, in Sweden, it was a big, uh, like the biggest brand strategy consultancy. We were around 20 people. Mm-hmm. I think it was a little bit, uh, you know, as uh, profit. I think you have in the US that kind of brand consultancy. I like profit, yeah. Yeah. Scott, Scott Galloway's com- company. Yeah. 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 What kind of work? What kind of work would you be doing? I like. Uh, at that point, we just did a lot of uh, brand platform work, a little bit of brand architecture, but mostly just doing brand platforms, taking two to three months to do a brand platform. And that's actually why I quit there, because I wanted to get closer to the, the execution of the strategy and be more able to like, create tangible impact. Uh, and at the same time, I, I was there for around one and a half year, and then I got the question to, to join Akne, because we had been working with them for some projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got the question to, to join them and to accelerate their creating creative agency offer, which at the point was uh, three to four people and then take responsibility for the, the strategy offer and capabilities. So this is what we, one of the things we were talking about in our pre, pre-meeting, uh, Acne, um, which is where you work now, but you, you work back there at, you're returning back, right? Yeah. It was it was a place you, 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 it's your second job. You were asked to form a, a be join a small group. So 
some people who are listening might know Acne as a fashion brand. If they're in New York, they might know there's like Acne Studios store in Soho. They may know that it was a jeans brand. When you joined, what was the company and what was the idea that the founders had? Yeah, the, at the time that I joined, we were around, like the total of Acne was around 100 people maybe. So I think it's, that's important to know. And then, the, you know, the creative agency part was just three to four people and maybe depending on how you look at it, maybe a little bit more. And then more like the core businesses of Acne then was more like their own product. So we had uh, the Acne Studio, which is called now, which was uh, more like the, the jeans brand and the fashion brand, which was maybe one quarter of the company, if you think about people. Mm. And we actually had a digital gaming company uh, that was called uh, NetBaby. And then another part was that uh, we had a film production company, which was also uh, thriving at the moment. And it was more, more like one of the, the biggest and most successful film production companies at the moment. So that was the, the context of the, the Acne business. Uh, how, and, how, and how many years has the business been running when you joined? It, has, it had been running for around uh, five years. Okay. And, who, and so tell us a little bit of this, who were the founders in their, their sort of background? They, they, because what interests me is they came up with a, with a really ambitious model of, um, you know, you could say, yeah, they're related businesses, but they were quite different. You know, mm. you've got production, you've got fashion, you've got video games. Um, so who were the, who were the, who were the brains behind, behind Acne? Uh, and it was a, what you call an eclectic mix of people, actually. Yeah. Uh, we had one ad agency guy, which is called uh, Jesper Kautoft, which uh, had been working at uh, Paradis, uh, Paradisa, GDB. Mm -hmm. uh, been working a lot with uh, the diesel campaigns yeah, yeah. that yep. were famous at, the, at that time. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it was uh, another guy called Johnny, which uh, uh, he had, uh, that Jesper had met when working with Diesel, actually, because Johnny was working at Diesel. Okay. And then it was, uh, well, let me see, I think one or two illustrators more, one designer and one illustrator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was more those four people that had come up with this idea of doing more like a creative collective and just doing a little bit of random uh, stuff. And I think from the beginning, they were more like producing, which uh, at you had at that time as well, you had uh, different kind of, I think they were called CD-ROM. Yeah. If you remember that. So more like doing some production stuff for... Uh, creative agencies they were also doing some uh, like commercials and stuff like that so they were taking a little bit of everything uh, just to get funded uh, to be able to do those other stuff and actually the jeans brand it comes from they they did a, more like a direct mail actually so they made up uh, 200 pairs of jeans with uh, red stitches and sent out to different ad agencies in Sweden to get uh, 
work actually so that's it was a promotional like a promotional mailer yeah it was the promotional mail that yeah. later ended up as a fashion brand it's amazing that's amazing isn't it mm. amazing story yeah started off as a direct mail with limited edition personalized jeans ended up as a fashion brand which is amazing yeah so you, 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 you join Acne, which is kind of like this really interesting company. It's five years old. The, the, the agency is four people. What happens? What are you doing? Have you got clients or you, you have to go get clients? How does it work? Uh, at that time, we had to get clients uh, and we got, got a couple of clients. But then what, what happened was that regarding the creative agency part of the business, since it was just after the the dot-com yep. uh, crash, it was, uh, yep. uh, it wasn't, you know, the right timing to keep going for that one. And it was also, it put pressure on the other parts of the business as well. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, what, what is more like, uh, I uh, decided to, to leave mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. And then I actually started uh, freelancing instead but keep working a little bit with uh, both the acne creative agency but also working directly with the acne studio mm -hmm. brand and actually doing their brand platform at the time so you so you, had, you although you left you were still kind of working for you you were still working for the company uh and I, well, I was working a little bit you know back and forth yeah, back and forth with them so so just to give us some background how would you, you i remember you mentioned paradisa i remember them really well you know as being this amazing creative force for diesel um but you said that they were they were part of ddb but originally they were uh independent uh they might have been i don't actually know but they yeah might so have give us so in terms of the agency scene in in sweden it, it's um mostly in stockholm 80 percent yeah it's mostly in uh, stockholm without one we have one exception which is uh forsman and bodenfors which is on the in the west on the west coast in uh, gothenburg gothenburg yeah. they have a, a couple of years ago maybe 10 years ago they actually uh, started up in stockholm as well but the key office still is in uh, gothenburg so how would you describe the mix of agencies? Is it, is it, is it, is it independent agencies and um, multinationals? That's, it's, it's more. I would say at the moment, it's actually a, a mix of, I would say independent agencies or like local independent agencies. We have some network agencies with uh, like a strong local ownership. We have some venture back, uh, venture capital backed agencies which uh, Oxfam Holes is one example of. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, our model, and we are actually owned by uh, Deloitte yep. UK. But I think the, what has happened during like the 15, 20 years that I've been part of the business is that more and more of the international network agencies are, has actually folded or just left uh, the market. Why do you think that is? Why? I don't know actually, but I think it's uh, it could be, for instance, that uh, uh, the, I think a lot of the the Nordic business is often run out of uh, the the network agencies agency in Denmark or oh, something okay. like that. So yeah, it's yeah. 
the business in Sweden is uh, to a large extent local. So you actually need to be or have a long, uh, have a strong local client list to be able to to perform uh, well in Sweden. It's just interesting to me is you you know for a relatively small country there's a lot of creativity not just in agencies but but everywhere um, and in the agency land you had you know you had Paradise back in the day. Um, we, we talked about Forceman as a as a, a creative entity. Yes. Um, and Angstrom, was it Angstrom Holst? Okestam Holst. Yeah. It's a hard, hard so, name to pronounce. Yeah. But um, it seems that Sweden has like a history, the agencies have a history of being um, very creative. Would you say that's a, a, a correct assumption, or and of course, yeah. um, who else? We did. We had all the. Uh, where did the Volvo work come from? The was Volvo it? work is uh, from Forsman and Yeah, we have had some some interesting. If you remember, far far back in the days, was a digital agency that was doing a lot of innovative work for diesel and uh, Nokia as well, and they got uh, acquired by Aegis. Back in the days, and we had had some. Okay, didn't see was that? Far, far. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Danfor, yeah. Remember yeah, yeah. And we have had uh, Deportivo that was acquired by Edelman as well. So we had had a few like of those more like Deportivo is more like an media driven agency and so forward. And far, far was good with digital. But I think we have been quite early on some of those. Uh, you know, the, what you could call like the new areas or like the new capabilities. And I think if you look at the DGB, Forsman Bodenfors, Orkestam Holst, and I would say if I can talk about us ourselves, we have been more, I think we were quite good at incorporate all those, uh, all those, what you call like speciality disciplines or speciality competences or uh, capabilities uh, yep. within the mix. Yeah. And I think both, uh, Forsman and Bodenfors and DDB and ourselves, but also so in terms of in terms of being able to integrate uh, new media skills, digital skills, yeah, in, in into the offering and make them work yeah. together. Yeah, that seems very interesting. Yeah, and it might be you know that the Swedish market regarding digital or like it's too small uh, <laughs> to have a, a specialist digital agency. So you, the clients more or less require that you need to have digital skills or like top digital skills that require more and more that you need to be able to perform really well uh, regarding on media and so forward. Yep. So integration, integration is, is really, really critical. Yeah. Yeah. Is North Kingdom, is that a Swedish company or? North uh, Kingdom is also a Swedish uh, yeah. company. And yeah. I know some, the people there, the founders. But there is also a really interesting agency coming from, actually also coming from a, the production, well, coming from a production angle from the beginning. Yeah. But has managed to do pivot and more do digital on a really strategic level, I would say. Yeah. They're interesting because they are really good at craft. I think they have a, like a craft background. Mm -hmm. 
so in, in into this into this world how does strategy fit into agency life in sweden how would how would you describe it as a as a discipline is it is it um been around for a while is it new is it how, how is it how is it seen is it is it um uh in my view because I, when i had did uh, my first round of acne i actually did a, a tour at different agencies yes with visiting different planning departments and it was everything from bbh to uh wyden kennedy ddb and so forward in uh, london and in amsterdam and i would say that the thing is in sweden is that it's not that mature i would say or la that professional we don't have the same like culture that you would have if you go to to uk regard uh, regarding you know it's both regarding culture and capabilities and also i would say regarding you know uh the legacy i think it's a little bit that we have uh learned a lot of people has learned by themselves yeah uh but i think it might be for instance since i have been working at tbwa as well and they have a really strong method and philosophy and also have a lot of tools so for me that has that was an like important uh, part to be able yes to to take part of of that the disruption model yeah the disruptive model and disrupt, yeah. uh, disruption of thinking yeah yeah so so you have to to to, to you have to be pretty much a self-starter um, and be able to work your way around um, being useful, right? You yeah, know? I think it's more, yeah, yeah, you know, to be useful, useful for the clients, be useful for the client or for the creatives, be useful yeah. for like the, the internal client team as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the planning teams in Sweden, you know, the biggest planning department is more like five, six, yeah people and a lot of that it's more like one two people doing the the planning in the agencies so it's mm. it becomes a little bit i think or it's to some ex large extent i don't know since i haven't been working at a, a law you know abroad but i think it's a different kind of work or environment compared to working uh, yeah i mean definitely definitely where you've got uh you know you've got a large department and you, you you've got sort of a career trajectory maybe more, more of a original classic system and uh group planning directors junior strategists you know though is more of a organizational matrix mm. that, you know in some of the more sophisticated i think this is all changing but back in the day it, it used to be uh you know more more organized but i think what's happening now is i think we you know this system is breaking down um a little and i think it, we're probably moving closer <laughs> to what what you guys uh are doing uh, you know people who have to be very agile nimble um as you said useful um are the ones that are surviving um and if you if you if you rely on a structure and a hierarchy and um you know a process um it's it's going to be uh less um more challenging mm. and it's more like you have to do you you don't have any what you call 
you don't have an option because sometimes you need to do content strategy, sometimes you need to do social media strategy, sometimes you need to do comms uh, planning. So another day you need to do like brand strategy work or brand platform work. So it's in that way, it's, I think it's both good and bad. You get, you get to what you call, you get good a little, a little bit of everything, but it's hard to focus if you have one niche or like one area where you need to go really deep. That's, uh, that's hard in the Swedish market or when working at, in a Swedish agency, I would say. Yeah, have you starting to see? Have you started to see specialists, strategists emerge, like people who are only social, or is that you have to be a generalist? I think we have had some like only social and so forth, yeah. but I think it's more like it's hard to keep that uh, up. Yeah, because of the because of the costs. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But what, what will be interesting from, from my point of view is that uh, at the moment we have quite a lot of young, young uh, planners from Sweden working abroad and uh, working at like great creative agency. And it will yeah. be interesting to see what happens when some of them return to Sweden and when they have been trained, maybe in, if you could call it in a little bit more formal way to do campaigns, planning and comps planning and so forward. Uh, I'm at least looking forward to see what, uh, what will come out of that. Because I think that's actually what's, what has driven the Swedish creative market as well, that we have had a lot of people going abroad early. Yeah. I think since 20 years ago, a lot of Swedes went uh, to Mother, for instance, or went to debates and so forward and did work there. And then they came back to Sweden and just, uh, kept on going so i think it will be interesting to see when we we have that uh, what you call development also regarding the the strategy and the planning in sweden yeah that's interesting one 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 organization we missed we missed talking about was hyper island yeah sure um because that's so interesting as a school that a lot of people from all over the world went to i think because it was really seen as a place that showed people who weren't versed in digital how they could, how, you know, I don't, I don't know what the business is like now, but it was very successful five, six years ago, maybe, maybe longer when uh, people were really looking, agencies who hadn't, didn't have digital um, were looking to train their creatives, their strategists to be more adept. Um, I think they, I know lots of people from the U.S., we go to camps and schools in Hyper Island. Uh, Hyper Island. So that that was an interesting example. Yeah, and I think they have been good at like pushing the the digital agenda in like all the Swedish agencies, but also client uh, side. But it it has also been an opportunity for us because we have had some, and we have as well some Brazilian creatives and so forward. And their way of getting to Sweden is uh, through Hyper Island. Yeah. And we also have, you know, uh, Barry School of Communication has performed really well. And it's like seen yeah, as tell well. Me, tell me about that. I've started to see them. They, they, what, what, is that, what is that school? It's like the, the main, what do you call it? Like the at, creative at, school in, uh, in Sweden. I think they have been... Uh, they have won like school of the year in Cannes for five years. Oh yeah, that's and really, I, really interesting. So like a sort of uh, ad center 
yeah. the US. Yeah. yeah. And I've actually been doing, uh, I think for four years, I've been running planning and strategy for the art, art director and uh, copywriter uh, classes. Uh, oh, awesome. That's great. Yeah. I, I just noticed those. Uh, uh, they, um, when I post on LinkedIn, I can see that there are quite a few people from that, sc that school are coming to look. So I was, I, I've just seen it in the last year. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. So um, we talked about, I think this is a natural point to talk about the way, way of working. So you've got, we've got strategists who are more generalists. They tend to have to be very self-starters, self-motivated, um, uh, self um, working on lots of different things. But they're, and they're working in an environment. We talked, in the pre-talk, we talked about the transparency and ways in which there's a lot of collaboration in Swedish agencies and how, how teams work together and how people work together, I thought was really interesting. Can we talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about that. I think it's more like, uh, since there's less structure in and hierarchies in, I think both in Swedish companies and also in like uh, Sweden's agencies, it's more like it's more informal and I think it's, it's smaller teams as well. Since it's, you, often you just have the, like the creative teams, the client director and uh, a planner or a strategist. Yeah. And it, uh, I think it opens, it might be that it opens up for much more uh, collaboration in uh, in different ways and i think what's and what we were talking about in the in the pre-talk is that for instance and i think another what another part to to know about that is that we have often in sweden and i think it's been getting more and more in that direction it's really fast processes it could be like we have to Regarding the pitches, it might be two weeks. Regarding a campaign, it might be four weeks and so forth. Yeah. So it forces you to, to work in a little bit more agile or a more fluid way. Uh, and I, I like to talk about it more like that you have a, more like that you have a fluid process where all different roles and capabilities, you know, they are involved from the beginning to the end uh, of the project. And I think this is, this is the way it has always been in in Sweden, but this is not the way. When I was visiting, yeah, different planning or planning planning departments uh, seventeen years ago, and then it was more like the the planning department did the brief, then they sent it to the the client department, yeah. the client department sent it to the creative. Yeah, yeah. It was a relay race, really called the relay race. Yeah, the handing. Uh, Awesome. And I'm a big believer, uh, more like of a of a fluid uh, pros process. It has its pros and cons as every process, but uh, I think it's it's interesting. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think to me, it, again, as I said before, when you, we were talking about the the changing um, planning world, um, I, I I think we're probably moving much closer to where you are, where you have been, and where you are now. Uh, than what I think some of the biggest issues that agencies face are their own internal cultures that actually um, I, I think want to retain 
those um, processes, you know, which don't encourage transparency. They're about holding on and protecting. No, you can't see my brief. I'm not ready to show you. No, you can't see the work because we're not ready yet. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, we're not ready. You can't see it. Sorry. And there's a, there was a, a desire to have everything finished or close to finished. I mean, we have these, you know, you have these things with clients that you call work sessions. It's, you know, they're working sessions. They're, mm. they're where you have discussions, but the amount of effort into finishing uh, creative work that looks almost finished for these work sessions is ridiculous. They should be just sketches, mm. black and white, and on torn pieces of paper, but they're not. They're, they're very polished, and the work sessions become theatrical, and there's an agenda. Um, because what's absolutely critical right now is not just the agencies collaborate, that the clients collaborate too. That's yeah. becoming such a key part of success right now. And I think that's one, one part that where we have been working in, in different ways. And I, I think one part as a planner, it's more like you need to be able to write the brief in, like in a day. And yeah. it's more like it's not the final version of the brief. It's like you could call it like the 0.5 version of the brief or something <laughs> like that. And then you have like during the process together with the creative team and so forth, you will more like uh, try to finalize uh, the brief. But what, what often happens is also that you will never get through like the brief will end up at like uh, stage 0.8 or something like that. Yeah, yeah which is interesting in a way. But we have also had clients that wanted to work really collaboratively with us. And sometimes where we've been working, you know, totally transparent with the client and the client has like full access and can like enter the room or work room or whatever you like to call it during the whole pro process. And we had other, and also that we shared the documents with them regarding the creative developments from the early stage all the way to the to the end and just working with google docs and so forth yeah. but it all you know it all depends on the clients and i think it's if it's going to work it requires quite what do you call it requires a lot from the client as well oh yeah for sure yeah. i mean i think i think the overall you know the the old system of working in your swim lanes, you knew what you had to do and you knew your responsibility. But when you're talking about collaborate, a collaborative in, environment, um, people break out of their swim lanes and there has to be, I mean, I've been doing a little bit of work on this. Um, Google, Google did a ton of research onto what made effective teams. And um, they spent millions of dollars and uh, took a lot of time, but they, they talk about psychological safety as this key determinant, which means basically, basically that people are comfortable saying what they think to others mm -hmm. in the team. And if you don't have that safety, if you have a hierarchy and someone isn't comfortable, then this collaboration doesn't really work. Mm. So I have to be comfortable that, my creative i'm comfortable with my creatives talking about strategy as they are with me talking about creative and there's a mutual respect for the team members and that's not always 
easy and that's not always possible in a, in a hierarchical system. Mm. So um, I think, I think what you guys, what you guys uh, are doing is, is interesting. I mean, the, the reality is we kind of all need each other, right? I mean, now, you know, you all sort of, it's, the, you, you know, we're sort of, I think we're moving away from a sort of a guru model. It's no longer sort of one person who, who is the architect, you know, the, the it, it is a team increasingly who shape things, mm. uh, you know, across all areas of life. You know, it's the team that, that, that makes these things happen. Um, yes, individuals play key roles, but it's the idea that, that people working together may really, really make a difference. So, so talk about a little, talk a little about Acne now. So back when you first worked at Acne 20 years ago, it was three or four people as this very interesting fledgling company. And now you're at an agency that's owned the same name owned by Deloitte in the UK. Yeah, that's correct. It's very different. So it's a different world, right? In some ways, I would say yes, yes and no. I think the key thing is that we are owned by Deloitte UK. So we, we aren't owned by Deloitte in, uh, in the Swedish market. So it gives us uh, quite a lot of freedom uh, since they are more, uh, we can do a little bit what we like in the in the Swedish market, I would say. But also the, the reason that they bought us is to, to leverage the, the brand and the capabilities. Yeah. So we have presence in a couple of the European markets and I think we're getting some, some good traction in UK and so forward. So I think in, in that way, it's different from when I've been working at uh, Gray or TBWA and so forth. Mm. I think we have in, in one way a little bit more of a, uh, we can put, or and the, I think the big uh, difference is that we are more like the head office. It's not uh, as I was when I was working with TBWA, then it was Chiat Day in New York. Yeah. Or when yeah. I was working at Naked, it was the UK office and so forward. Now it is more like we are that office. Uh, so that's, uh, I think, a big, big difference. But of course, we, what we don't have uh, anymore compared to in the beginning, we don't have, you know, the, the possibility to like launch our own ventures or launch our new own products and so forward. Yeah. Uh, so, so you, you, you're, um, the head office, you're a head office of other Deloitte, then your, that's your network or it's other acne. It's other acne offices. Yeah. Offices around the world. Yeah. So, so which, which markets do you have offices in? We have offices in the uh, UK, we have in France, uh, uh, Germany, uh, and then we have in Japan as well. Mm -hmm. And how did how did they how did they create these offices? Is, is it people moving to these markets, or was it um, part of the delight? How did the these? Offices? It's a mix because we had some some presence for, from the yeah. beginning, or Acna had some presence in those markets when uh, Deloitte bought us, and then it's uh, it 
depends on depending on the markets they have merged it, it in a little bit of a couple of different ways but for instance the office in japan was uh, that was a new launch business that wasn't on the market before the the acquisition mm. and i think the the entity in and Germany is more like a mixture of Deloitte Digital and Acne and so forth. Yeah. It's the same thing in in uh, UK, I would say. I think they, I'm not sure, but you know, they, which one is Acne and which one is Deloitte Digital is a little bit right. unclear at the time. Or I think they borrow people from time yeah. to time. And I also think that's a different model because uh, the consultancy model is more like to pick, pick up uh, or and set up the team that you need to solve the client's problem. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a big change compared to an, an advertising agency that's more used to having their team. Uh, the consultancy model isn't like that. The consultancy. I think, I think that's something that that's, that's for me the big holding companies they have to move to that consulting model if they're going to be if they're going to survive because you know they they have to be able to move to virtually create teams of talent uh people who and i think this this current situation that we're in might accelerate that because um you know it doesn't matter where you are right it doesn't matter where you're located um are you do you guys share clients or is each of these businesses is independent do you work with do you work with these teams on we work with some some shared clients as well yeah. and sometimes we have even deloitte also owns heat in us as well so we have had shared clients with them yeah. as well but if we go back to to acna i think the what has happened and i think some some of the lessons that we have been talking to pre pre dismissing is that I think it's always evolving. I think that's the same principle uh, that's behind the Acne Studio, the, the fashion brand as well. Yeah. They are always evolving. And I think what's that's more like the brand essence or like the, the core of the Acne brand is yeah. that we are always uh, evolving and not so much looking at where other people are going, but trying to go our own way or creating our own how do you, how do you do How do you institutionalize that? That seems like a... It seems like a very interesting phrase. <laughs> I think it's more like I think it's that's the intangible culture. Yeah, the culture yeah. is to keep always keep evolving, and I think. How do you keep people accountable to that? That you know, when you when you have a meeting at the end of every year or every six months, how do you, how do you? Is it just is it just natural? That I think it's just natural. It's, yeah. no, it's the intangible stuff. people it's know the, what you call it's in the walls of the building or something like that yeah yeah that's really interesting yeah, yeah. and i think it's the in some way at, that's at least my my view of it it must must be something regarding that because it's the you know it's the same thing that you have in the acting studio brand that makes yeah. them i would say so so relevant and that they keep managed to be interesting. And I think that's the same thing as that drives the, how I think also we're more like a, the agency is more like a brand than men, men other brands. It's, and I think we they built a brand that's bigger than a creative agency from the beginning. So it's a philosophy. It's more like, yeah, it's some kind of philosophy. Uh, 
but it might be you know that we haven't managed to you know formalize it in the same way as uh, tbwa we did with disruption or when i wasn't naked we had a couple of beliefs as well but i think there there's something some kind of essence that makes it going and i think it's also back to the if we look at the we have a broad capabilities today we have a broad capabilities we have an integrated offer and it's everything from we have strategy, creative design, we have production, we have also had the film production, but we also have an agency for photo and illustration. So what happens in the Swedish market is that we will often run into some of our like key competitors because they work with the film production companies. <laughs> they work with the yeah. agency for photo or agency for illustration yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, but based on that, we can also build uh, build teams so if we need to have build a team for doing the reactive stuff for IKEA, that will be a mix of these different uh, capabilities oh, yeah. and so forth. That's why you can do things fast. That's how you can yeah. do things fast, yeah. That's yeah. And we also have, you know, we have a photo studio in the, in the basement. Yeah. We have all the capabilities to do post-production and so forth regarding film production. So we try to like have all the capability, like also the like the craft or like the production capabilities within the within the house, and I yes. think it might be that for you know both for some people like it to have it that way and they will stay, and then for other people or other creatives or like planners, it's not their way of working. So it might not be for everyone, but it's I think it's more like this. We don't have so much structure. So it's more like this fluid thing regarding everything. Yeah. But that might also make it easier to to build like bespoke solutions, both for clients, but also as well internally. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it reminds me, there was an agency, I don't know if you remember back in the, you know, sort of uh, days of, the 60s and 70s in London called CDP. Hmm? Call it Dickinson Pierce. Yeah. And they had uh, Ridley Scott and uh, all kinds of people were working there. And they had, um, they, would, they were making a lot of the ads in their basement. Hmm. You know, they had, they had a, a, a handmade studio set up back, back then, you know, back in the late 60s, hmm. pre-digital. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot to be said, um, cause you can experiment and do all kinds of interesting things within that setup. Um, possibly, I mean, hopefully, um, so let's, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about the thing we don't want to talk about distancing. Yeah, sure. So, um, everyone's, everyone's looking at it, you know, we're, we're here in America, we are, you know, it, it is going, it's getting a little bit out of control. Um, you know, the numbers are staggering. We're, 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 some states are opening up um, and, you know, it's become, it's become, a, it's become a political issue, which is, it's not become, it's, it's, a, it's a health issue that everyone should be cognizant of. It's now become a political issue. So I think a lot of people are looking at other countries and um, are interested in, in, in hearing how their policies are working. And I know people have been interested in Sweden because uh, you have a different way approach to this distance. Yeah. 
I think it's, I can just give you a couple of, uh, of thoughts. I think in one, first I'd like to, I think it's too early and I don't have the competence to say if we're like doing sure. the right thing or having like the right strategy. But uh, what I think is interesting is that in, at least in my opinion, I think we have, a, it's a clear strategy at least. And I think they have from the beginning, they wanted it to be sustainable for a longer period of time. So I think they are, they are, in it for the long run and i think the how they are talking about it now is more like we will be going on for this for at least a couple of months more it might also be into the next year so i think they they put out they or did they decided on a strategy based on that that it should be sustainable for a long a longer period of time and then the other thing is that i think when you look at sweden and some might say that we have failed i think it's more like the it's two things that hasn't worked out the w one thing is stockholm but then it's actually just th uh, th uh, certain parts of stockholm that has been hit hard it's not all parts of stockholm mm. uh, and it's actually the the parts that has some you know the the parts of sweden or stockholm where people are having the you know the hardest time or like so forward with the highest rates of unemployment and so forth. Oh yeah, the more, de more depressed areas are hit harder. Yeah, they yeah. are hit really much harder. Uh, yeah. And the other thing is that we haven't managed to like protect uh, the places where elders are living. Yeah. But otherwise, I think it's, we have managed to flatten the curve. And I think the, the big thing is that in some parts of Sweden, they are like five, six, uh, weeks after us and I think that's one of the key things because they haven't really been been hit yet and I think that's one of the reasons that they think that we will need to be work or we will we need to have a sustainable strategy we need to be able to to have this for more like half a year more or something like that yeah because the rural the rural areas the outlying areas outside the cities uh are behind you and they're not yeah, there are a lot behind but it's not that it's also it's a lot different it differs a lot between the different parts of the country so yeah. it's actually more like stockholm that has been and the surrounding areas like but then in the south of sweden or in the north of sweden it's a completely different uh, situation so they are still still uh, waiting for uh, for the the thing that hits stockholm That's to hit right. them yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it's the same. I think the same, same in same in the U.S. and yeah. parts of the country that haven't had a case yet. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're all we're all trying to find our, our ways of uh, ways of dealing with this. Mm. Um, I was reading this morning. It, South Korea seems to have sort of they had a very very disciplined approach. Yeah, uh, and very intrusive tracking, digital yeah. tracking and um separating people into different groups and forcing you know so very aggressive mm. um centralized control um you know which uh you know again again outside of china is probably on the most extreme mm. um but yeah over, over here we're really we're really struggling i would say uh this is um i mean lots of countries are struggling but i think with I think we seem to be making it pretty hard. Um, and then, um, 
Any any more thoughts on that? Yeah, but I think it, uh, I think what's good to know or regarding that strategy, it's that they go in for like a one hundred percent evidence based strategy. So yep. they don't want to do anything that they don't that's not evidence based. Yep. which has its pros and cons in a situation like this because it's a new situation. Uh, we, don't, we don't have any. We don't have any anything to fall back on. We don't have like yeah. history. You yeah. don't always have uh, history, and they, it might be that they sometimes they uh, I wouldn't say did the wrong decision, but they base the decision on the evidence that they have. So I think it's more like they do all they do depend or during the time when we learn more, they will adjust the strategy and so yeah. forth. They so need it's, to it's that, that, yeah. So it's that's what's happening in Sweden all the times. The more evidence we get, the more possibilities we get. We do, do a little bit, you know, adjustments of the of the strategy. I think I think the other thing that that I feel is interesting about the United States is, I mean, maybe it's just because people have a lot of time on their hands now, um, and we're in this really weird moment where people are thinking about a future but they don't quite know what that future is. Mm. So <laughs> there's, there's a lot of strategists who've been told by their bosses to go away and think about the future. So there's a lot of things being written and there's a lot of people talking. Um, and so one of the things I think is questioned a lot is the inf a lot of the issues in the US around the economy, around taxation, um around um social welfare mm. uh, all these uh things are being questioned and again i think people um look at sweden a little bit and um have have done for a while as um an alternate alternative version of what we have here so a higher rates of taxation more social welfare um and maybe these this type of approach and this thinking was quite unfashionable uh, five years ago. Um, but I think more and more, um, you know, we had, um, I was, I was watching um, a, a discussion with Thomas Piketty, the French economist, um, who's written a lot about inequality and, and he was, and he was talking, you know, he said when he wrote his first book, no one in the U S politically wanted to, um, talk to him about in the last two years, he's had very detailed policy conversations with both uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, which he never would have imagined. So, you know, there's talks about, you know, things like universal basic income and, and things like th these ideas, which hadn't been discussed, you know. Um, so is, is there a questioning of the Swedish system now or are people... Uh, I think that's uh, the interesting thing to know was that we we had to be or uh, the trust for the for the government it's uh, like all time high yeah during the last uh, years then yeah. you should know that the trust was low and so forth and the you know the opinion levels for uh, or numbers for the the government party was was low 
but they are i actually think this uh, this situation has driven or it's not that i think but uh, this situation has driven the trust regarding our system regarding our government and uh, so forth so i think it's if the, as i think it's more in the in the other way that some people before this crisis might have or a lot of people might have had opinions or questions uh, regarding or questioning our uh, our system i think it's uh, during this period it's more like they they have trust in the system they have like trust in the the government and also there's a they have a lot of trust actually also in the the part that helps us decide on the the strategy yeah no that's interesting so it's more like a it's more re reinforcing yeah it's more, much more reinforcing at yeah. the moment then we'll see what happens after this but that, now it's more like it's reinforcing and more like giving us something to more like uh what do you call it? gather around yeah yeah yeah, galvanize, galvanize mm. people around. Yeah, something that they, they you know, uh, this the system is working. We believe in. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's not such a big question in Sweden. That's you know, it seems to be working better in Finland or Norway or Denmark. I think the 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 general feeling in Sweden is that we we trust this uh, way that and this strategy that we have uh, chosen. So. Yeah. Well, we'll we see. We'll see. What's yeah. going to happen? How long is this going to last? And you know, we could be we could be in this for a while. So um, we'll see what happens. But I appreciate um, appreciate the conversation. It was really good, really interesting stuff, and uh, felt like I uh, felt like I learned I learned a lot. So thank you. Yeah, it's me that should say thank you for yes sharing some of my thoughts. No, it's great. I will uh, I'll let you know when uh, when we put this up live and. Uh, This is your host, Ed Cotton. Thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Futures. Until next time.